going hyper local with providing amazing value, I think is an amazing play for whether it's brokers or other types of investors or whatever, you know, syndicators, whatever it is. I think if you can go hyper local, I think there's an amazing play right now. And I've got the proof to, to show it. Right. Uh, I mean, our Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, we're at episode 270, 280 right now. We're at like 215,000 downloads, wow. which isn't a huge number for podcasting, but when 80% of the listenership is in Denver, Denver and Springs. And when it's called the Den Denver Podcast Show. Like, yep. yeah. I'm not great at branding, but I'm very good at like obvious things, but it's all the right people. Sure. It's not a huge amount, but it's the right people. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us here on the show. Now, today we're actually coming to you from, I wouldn't say live, but we're coming to you in person from Denver, Colorado, and I have with me sitting next to me and across the room from me, Christopher Lopez or Chris Lopez. How are you doing today, mate? Doing great. I'm excited to do this, Reed. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I'm super excited to be here in this incredible gym. I was going to say gym because you're working out earlier. Incredible studio. Gives me a little bit of studio anxiety that I don't have as nice a studio as you. But for those people who don't know who you are, I'm going to introduce you here. Um, so you are a real estate investor, entrepreneur, podcast host, author, all-round good bloke. You live in beautiful Denver, Colorado, and you've built a business called Envision Advisors, which is a brokerage firm of investor-friendly realtors who focus on helping real estate investors create their investing strategies and help maintain an incredible investing portfolio, which I'm really interested to learn more about. But to top it all off, you are also the host of a new podcast coming up, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, called uh, Tribe of Multifamily, hosted by the Bigger Pockets, Bigger Pockets platform. So where you interview 
other awesome go-getters in the industry about their multifamily experience. So I'm really fortunate and grateful to have you here on the show to share, be in this incredible studio. I know about yourself. How about you, mate? Uh, well, first off, I want to hire you for the introduction. Like that was great, and you nailed it. So yeah, I'm excited about this, and yeah, the, that tribe of multifamily mem- mem- mentors shows what connected us, and you're being one of our first guests on that show that we're recording I'm, later today. So I'm excited to do this and that show with you as well. And just remind all the listeners, when is that show uh, dropping? Because I know it's new, right? You're, you're in yeah. the, you're pre pre production right now. Yeah, it should be dropping right around the end of May. End of May. End right. of May of 2021. So to the listeners out there, if you are listening in or watching on YouTube. Definitely jump over into you. I'm sure you're across all the podcasting platforms, iTunes, you know, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all that stuff. Tribe of Multifamily, right? Tribe of Multifamily. Yep. On the bigger pockets, it'll be under the bigger pockets logo as well. So definitely check out for that. But let's get into the interview today. And the question I ask all my guests when they come on the show is rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. So I'm glad uh, we talked a few weeks ago about this because I actually saw my parents this last weekend and I asked them that question trying to have them jog my memory. And my mom said their first memory of me earning money actually when I was like five years old, I was in kindergarten. And I don't know if they have this in Australia, but you know, I, I was born in 1982, so this was late 1980s, and I was obsessed with He-Man. Do you know who He-Man yes, is? Yes, okay, yes, great. Yeah, yeah. So He-Man was my jam when I was a kid, apparently. Like, I, I loved him, had a He-Man sword, and there were some big He-Man toy one, you know, and my mom says like a hundred dollars. And they said, great, you want it, you buy it. Um, and so I started, you know, doing chores around the house for a dollar or whatever it was at the time, a dollar or 50 cents. But I have very vague memories of this, but my mom said I spent four months and they set me up a piggy bank and I would just get that 50 cents, a dollar every time I vacuumed or did whatever and just put it in there and save like $110 to buy this He-Man thing when I was five or six or seven years old. Wow. So that was my first memory of doing work to earn money and then using that money to go out there and buy something I want. That's awesome. And, and I remember He-Man, he was like caveman slash sword. Did he wear like some sort of thing across his chest? I, I don't think he wore very much from what I remember. <laughs> he, he, I think he had like, yeah. The like, 1980s, uh, you know, uh, dolls that were around for, for, go- for guys was like muscle guys and yeah. like, let's go. But um, that's awesome. So t- taught you the value of a dollar at a young, young age. Yep. Right? So maybe walk us through your your upbringing, how, how your relationship with money, and then also into where we are today and sitting here and want to talk a little bit about your company that you've developed here in Denver, Colorado. Sure. So, I mean, through my childhood uh, and in the high school, no big, you know, money issues like I have a great parents great family uh, you know solid middle class family never really talked about money but my dad was always a hard worker had a couple side businesses uh, had a full-time job and I always wanted to be two things I remember growing up as I got in like middle school and high school it was to be an engineer and go in the military mm-hmm. so I went to Virginia Tech University which is one of two colleges with a on-campus core cadets very okay. similar, like it's the same thing as Texas A&M, yep. where they got like 800 you know, cadets or students there doing that. And they're also a great engineering school. Went there for both. And in the first semester, I realized neither one was for me. <laughs> and that was been my, that had been my plan since, I mean, sixth or seventh grade. And I went there and kind of just, it rocked my world. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. But I, I started, I spent months, I don't say I was depressed, but I was definitely like in the, a college midlife, college midlife crisis in a funk of like, what the hell am I going to do? Because and being I, in Virginia as well would have been in the middle of nowhere. 
Yeah, and this is down in the middle, though, yeah. like in the southwest Virginia. I grew up in the D.C. suburbs, okay. and I had you know jobs up there, and I saw my dad commute to D.C. every day, and I realized a couple things. I did not want to have to commute for the rest of my life, you know, an hour plus each way, yep. and then wearing a suit and tie. I said, those are two biggest things. And so what that led me down to was I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I started writing down what I did not want to do. Mm -hmm. So I made a list. I don't want this, this, or this, and that started guiding me. And then someone along the way gave me a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I know you read that book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It rocked my world. I was like, wow, there's investing. Wow, there's entrepreneurship. Wow, there's all this amazing stuff. And that was sophomore year of college. Wow, that's um, early. Yeah. that's Because some people read that book and it's too early for them, right? They're just they're too busy partying and like, I, I want to figure it out. And I just, you know, chasing girls or chasing guys, you know, whatever it is. So th that was an early, you know, a gift, I want to say, in, in, in your in your career. It was actually, I'd say, a recruiting tour. Because rec <laughs> someone from Amway, okay. Amway Quickstar, if you know, yep. that, you know they're yes, a huge network. They gave it to me. Okay. Uh, joined Amway for three months. Great experience. Didn't, I think he made $18 from some of my mom, a, a pity oh. product, or she was a pity customer. <laughs> but it, some but toothpaste. It, yeah, it was actually soap. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was that, but it opened my ideas to entrepreneurship. And that's what led me on to uh, everything I do now. This was 2002, 2003 timeframe. So internet was still just coming on. Mm -hmm. Yahoo was still the dominant figure. We still got AOL CD-ROMs at the time. If you used AOL Instant Messenger, it was those days. Love it. And I said, you know what? Like, I want to get into real estate reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I don't have the resources. You know, I had $2,000 in my account from summer jobs. I can't do it. Um, but this internet thing, it's not going to go away. Dot-com bubble came and crashed, but I said, the internet thing's not gonna go away. How can I learn this? And all I did was start learning. I taught myself basic copywriting, basic Google SEO, basic Google PPC, basic uh, YouTube, and just as new things from the internet, I just learned it and wow. do it. Wow, and that would have been early on where now today we're sitting here in front of your awesome team that things are taken care of, price per clicks, SEO, YouTubing, uploading, downloading, like that's that stuff that we all take for granted now. We have teams around, but you've actually gone and learned it yourself. Talk us about how, how was that in the early days? Because that would have been very new and people would look at you weird to be like, why is he doing stuff on YouTube and what's SEO mean? And you oh, would, yeah. And you would have got a lot of bang for your buck back then because not many people were doing it, right? Like, so, so little things would have gone a long way. Yeah, and I mean, if I could go back in time, I would have just maxed out my credit card on Google and lived my parents for two years. And, yep. you know, I'd you know, be on a yacht right now. But like, I, I had a lot of success, um, but definitely did not take advantage of as much as I could. Right. But again, I was 21, 22. I just didn't know at the time. But what my whole focus was on there was to, you know, hopefully make some money. Mm -hmm. But every I was going to college at this time for four years and I had a scholarship, and I saw all my friends going to college for four years. Everyone's spending time and money making zero income. So I said, you know, if I can learn this marketing, internet marketing, and I was tying to different businesses, and I can, in four years, start making money with it, it's a success. I'll learn a skill set and I can grow from that. And the reason I got into marketing is because I started doing sales first. Mm -hmm. And I was just doing sales. And if you have sales, you need leads. And I realized, oh, well, I have no leads. Let's figure out leads. So that led me down the whole marketing route and generating leads for me. And then realized, oh, I can generate leads for other people and be more like a sales manager. And I just started scaling from there. That's incredible. And so marketing what? 
Like you, when people say marketing, what, what what job did you have? So it was it was a, it wasn't a job. I actually, went out there and joined a, another network marketing company. Okay. One not that, Amway, not Amway. Yep. Uh, that opened my eyes, but it was definitely <laughs> not the right fit for me. Um, actually, do you know Robert Allen from any of the real estate investing stuff? Yes, he was like one of the first like zero money down guys back yep. in the nineties. Yep, yep, yep. So I'd read his multiple streams of income book, which is a phenomenal like lead mm-hmm. funnel, and that led me to a network marketing company that he was with. And I liked it for three reasons. One, it was actually a, a very solid health and wellness product. And I'm, a, you know, I'm the fitness and health myself. It's actually okay. science-based. They were doing a lot of online stuff, which was cutting edge. And when I opted into his website, you know, one of his Dalai members called me and I saw the potential for some really good mentorship. I was like, awesome, good product. People are going to teach me what to do. And I'm learning internet marketing. I'm all in. So that was a product. And so we were actually selling the product and recruiting new distributors. But at the same time, as we're doing this, me and that time my upline, uh, we eventually became business partners. Uh, we were developing some, or he started developing, I helped him out some very, very basic online uh, contact management software. This is like 2005. CRM. CRM. Yep. I mean, loose CRM back then, but there was nothing <laughs> available. Sure. Um, and so he had started building that. I was helping him out. He was doing develop, but I started doing front end work. And as we're building that, our organization blew up. We went uh, to four continents. We had a, thousands of people with a matter of a couple of years just because we were marketing. Wow. Right place, right time with almost no competition. Um, but then as we started being on the software, a lot of other people around our company and also other companies wanted to start using it. So for like a year, we said, oh, no, no, it's only for our organization. And then it clicked us, oh, wow, we have a whole other business here that we can charge a monthly fee to. So we started charging a monthly fee. So we ended up having two businesses, our, our own network marketing company, yep. which topped out like 10,000 customers and 3,000 distributors. Wow. And then we had the software company. We had up to, I think we peaked around 800 monthly paying customers, plus all the other typical like, you know, upsells and value adds. And so it built all the way that through to about 2011, 2012, and then a variety of reasons. Um, a big part of just we kind of ran out of steam personally. Like, you know the metaphor of, hey, you climb a mountain, mm-hmm. you get to the top, you got to <sighs> go climb right. the other mountain. Right. Climb a bigger, more beautiful mountain. Right. So we wanted something new, but also trends. We were tired of the, the network marketing industry. It's a very, tiresome. very hard industry yeah, yeah. very tiresome. It's just, yeah. it's very emotional. And it's not very business oriented. Isn't um, it? Huh. Oh, there's a lot of uh, like loose stuff going on. Or? Loose stuff and, and dubious people. Yeah, right. I'll say yeah. it out there yeah. without going out. Shocks. Down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and plus Silicon Valley, all these companies are out there. You know, they they don't need to make a profit, but we actually need to make a profit with our software company to pay bills. Sure. And so just trends. We had built a, a closed software system, okay. um, and now it's all open source. So just all these things. Hey, time to move on. And Did so, you exit successfully? No. Okay. That was something I learned. There was there was no exit strategy. Yeah. It was right. too much built around me and my partner and too tied to our network marketing company. Got it. So, I mean, I still make residuals today from the software mm-hmm. and the company. So there's residuals there, but there was no exit. And that was a big part. We just never set it up from that that as well. Does that brings up like so many because I'm very passionate about personal brands and all that sort of stuff. And we spoke a little bit before coming on, you know, coming out here to Denver about personal branding and that, that's, yep. you know, people talk about that's it's recession proofs your business and yada, yada, yada. I've had a lot of people on this show talking about that. So how do, would you, going back, how would you have changed that exit strategy to be the one, were you, you know, the bottleneck or was it too focused around you as a brand that you couldn't ever exit? It was both. Okay. I mean, it's really both. We, I mean, we built this with, we had like a, a team of five people for like sure. the software and all that, plus all of our distributors, but it's a very small team. 
and we were too much which me i was just in the hands of everything i had to I'd do it all myself or yep. be i was in show combat, right? yep yep so that was a big learning experience and then it was just too much built around us we never structured it to like hey here here's the organization i'm using my hands you know, on the right hand side <laughs> here's us on the left side as, as people and brands sure so it was just managing people and we were just all too intermingled got it so what would you change differently then and, and, and looking at like we're sitting here and we're talking about bigger pockets and all these other stuff what would you change looking at some of these other brands that we all know about that and we know the face of those companies we talk about bigger pockets because you've just been in the background here but then also given your experience about how you've created a business around your brand and you being the bottleneck what would you have changed um in that business yeah um number one i, I would have left earlier i okay. would have stepped away earlier um just because if i had taken what i had now moved to real estate sooner it would have been better um i was also tired of it the biggest thing is i would have just scaled up better i would have removed myself and outsourced it and that's a big thing i've kind of focused on now as i've gotten into real estate was I don't know where I learned this from, just, you know, numerous people. Um, I think Gary Vee's got the best quote on there, just, you know, focus on your strengths or double down on your strengths and just focusing on that. Hey, what am I really, really good at? And just put all my intention on there. And now if I can't do something or if it's not my superpower, how can I outsource it? Mm. And I keep a list now for my current business. It's all on my note-taking system. It says, um, it's a four-letter word of, Stuff that I can't do, don't like doing, or how can I outsource it? Mm -hmm. And whenever I run into something or I'm like, oh wow, this project's late because of me, I make a note in there. Yeah, right. And then once a month, once a quarter, no rhythm there. I just look at it, I'm like, okay, this I can delegate, this can delegate, this, I can outsource this, I need to hire someone new, and I go through that. And that's helped me tremendously with scaling. Yeah, right. Yeah. So let's pivot to what you've done today. You've we spoke about you. You you're former California resident where yep. I, where I live. We now you now live here in Denver, Colorado. Beautiful Denver. It's a beautiful day outside. What are you doing now with your current company? Because it is very interesting how you've done a niche in and around having developing real estate advisors or you know brokers to help real estate investors achieve their dream. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And 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 I I, yep. I know where I want to tie this string back to your your upbringing because I think it's going to be quite powerful because that's what you, you're good at, right? You talk about your superpower, which is marketing and online stuff, which I'm, you know, being an instructional engineer sort of over my head. But I want to hear a little bit about that. Sure. So, I mean, when I uh, transitioned out of business, I was living in California at the time. I was remote, but my wife was finishing out her, her vet school. Um, and then she had a couple years of doing some internships down there. So I was just working remote and we'll get into real estate. So I started figuring out how can I get into real estate? I joined the commercial brokerage in actually Torrance, California mm -hmm. for three months, realized that was not for me. I was like, hey, I can, I can think 300 cold calls a day, but can we market? Nope, 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 cold call. I was like, okay, well that is an outdated, stupid system. So I pivoted from there and I just started getting on Google, let me into bigger pockets. And Denver is always where my wife and I wanted to move to and, and eventually raise a family. We got two girls now, two little girls now, but as a planning, LA is great. It's a hard place to raise a family in. Yeah. Um, but always wanted to move out to Denver because when I was traveling when I was younger, I always loved Denver. So I was on Bigger Pockets learning real estate. And after you know a couple months on Bigger Pockets and their podcast, I learned a tremendous amount. But it was all like, oh, talk to someone in your backyard. And I was like, well, who the heck is in my backyard? Who the heck is in Denver's backyard? And they clicked. Oh. I should be that guy. Nice. I should be that person. Right. And that was the light bulb. And I said, great, I've, oh, it was clear to me. I said, I can, I can use my strength of marketing, mm -hmm. uh, use that background to hopefully find a, a phenomenal mentor, work with him or her, and then I can use it to learn, and I can use it to network, and then use it to start building a business. 
Um, and so that's what I focused on. So actually, while I was in California, I started building a business out here in Denver because, you know, with real estate and I was really my initial plan was to become like just to uh, be a high production agent myself. Sure. That was my plan because I could generate leads and do that myself. And then I spent a year building it online. And so, so in the, the, the being the agent, was it ever aspiration to be the investor? Because I, I know a lot of yes. people start in the agency world, like that's, I don't have all this money, I need to go build some money, I need to build, know the business a little bit. Is that, that was just the natural progression that you thought was was a good stepping stone to becoming the investor. Yeah, I mean, that, the investor was always the end goal of mine. Sure. So I said, join that commercial brokerage and they'd like 1,500 unit par- apartment buildings. I did a fix and flip. I made a couple, mm-hmm. I made 20 grand on the fix and flip. Boom. I hated it though. <laughs> I realized this is not my cup of tea. I'm not construction experience. I learned the whole deal sourcing. Okay, I can source the deals, but I'm gonna have to create a huge marketing campaign to do it. I go, that's not when I scale up. It's just gonna take me years and too long. So I, I bounced around, but all through this, I talked to realtors and I realized, wow, you kind of suck at marketing and sales. I can do way better than that. And I don't want to offend anyone, but a lot of realtors, they suck for yeah to be very blunt, I said, oh, if you're actually making money at this, I can do way better. And that was what made me realize that um, I could focus on that. And the whole niche from day one was to focus on investment real estate in Denver. Got it. And so that was a niche and that would lead me into eventually my own investing career. Awesome, awesome. So what was that first investment? It was um, here in Denver? No, I'd actually, I lived in one we, place in, in Reno, Nevada, because I just bought a place. <laughs> oh, I've, I've lived all over the country. Love it, love it. Um, so I, was, I bought over there, um, lived there for a couple of years, moved out, turned to a rental, you know, that, that jazz. And then while I was in Denver, I realized my main focus was I need to find a mentor, was how I was going to go out there and, and do, because like, hey, I can create marketing, but I don't know the content, because I'm, I'm not an expert myself. Right. So I got to go out there and get an expert. And so I found a phenomenal mentor out here in Denver, amazing guy, his name is Charles Roberts. Um, and he, cause I started cold calling brokerages. I started Googling bigger pockets forums. I found three brokerages in Denver that looked like had some type of residential investment focused. And your castle with Charles Roberts was one of them. Okay. Got in touch with him. Um, long story short, we hit it off. And with a couple months we were, uh, I was out here flying every month. Uh, learning from him, spending a week in his basement, uh, and just spending, tw- I was like, dude, I'll drive you around, let me just be around you, listen to phone calls, just that, I was a sponge, it was amazing. But we started, I started building a website, I started using Charles to create some you know, online courses, we started a podcast, I was like, let me just start all this stuff, with the whole idea of, let me be that layer in Denver of, when people go on to Google, or podcast, or YouTube, let my name pop up. Yep. Because everyone's an invisible customer now. We all mm-hmm. go to Google or Instagram or YouTube first before we ever opt into uh, to get a free ebook sure. or whatever. We or, all or understand yeah. who they are. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. And so if I could just uh, parlay that, and so Charles allowed me to do that, and we have just grown from there. It's been it's been amazing. And and you talk a little bit about social proof, but your whole niche being to to niche till it hurts and being the local expert rather than being a, a, a trick of all trades, but a master of none. How yep. has that helped? And, and what advice do you have for someone out there looking to build that brand in and around what, whatever it might be, you know, uh, whether it be starting real estate or actually starting a business to be that, that ec- the quote unquote local expert? So two things, it's definitely niches are enriches, like pick one niche and dominate it, but go local. I think there's such a great opportunity for all around the country to go local. There's so many amazing national podcasts, but there's very few local podcasts. Mm. And I remember I would go back and when I was you know doing my keyword research on Google keyword tool and all that stuff, 
every tool came back and said, oh, this is not a profitable niche. It's not, it's not, there's not enough traffic out there. Sure. But I was like, but I was like, you know what? But in the long run, if I can be that guy when, and with the margin of real estate deals, either as a broker or as an investor, the margin is there. And it's all about networking. As if mm-hmm. I can be that guy or be that source, it's gotta be profitable at some point. That was my gut. And people, you know, uh, people I met with, different marketers, they're like, don't waste your time on there. And I was like, well, thank you. F you, I'm gonna do it anyway, because it, <laughs> it makes sense to me. Because everyone's, you know, back then everyone's using Yelp, it's all going local, hyper-local. Right. Right. So going hyper-local with providing amazing value, I think is an amazing play for, whether it's brokers, or other types of investors, or whatever, you know, syndicators, whatever it is, I think if you can go hyper-local, I think there's an amazing play right now. And I've got the proof to, to show it. Right. Uh, I mean, our Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, we're at episode 270, 280 right now. We're at like 215,000 downloads. Wow. Which isn't a huge number for podcasting, but when 80% of the listenership is in Denver, Denver and Springs. And when it's called the Denver, Denver Podcast Show. Like, yep. yeah. I'm not great at branding, but I'm very good at like obvious things, but it's all the right people. Sure. It's not a huge amount, but it's the right people. And that would then, and I like what you said before, that there's there's margin in everything you do, whether it be in the brokerage or in the investments. So trying to just participate in either side or both, and then thus creating a platform in and around creating all the lead, inbound leads. That must be extremely valuable to then for understanding as an outsider myself going, oh, I can't buy in Denver because the cap rates are four, 4%, but you know where the value is. You know where the path of progress is. You know where those those needle in a haystacks live because people are coming to you as the expert, right? Yep. Yep. And the great thing is, I mean, you know, this from running your podcast is, you know, people listen to you and when they reach out to you, they're ready to work with you. Exactly. They're like, hey, you know, I, I got some questions. I want to work with you. And it's a very, it's a very high qualified lead. And it's usually a great personal fit as well. Because like, you know, if they listen to my podcast, they either like me or don't like me. Right. They generally don't reach out if they don't like me. Right. So it's a great filtering process in there. But like the the clients or potential clients that reach out, they're, number one, they're like great people and they're great clients to work with. It's such an amazing win, win, win. I could imagine. And so talk to me about the the brokers now that you've created who help investors get started into the multifamily, single family house hacking. I know you're very big in house hacking. Yep. How have you trained them to be that little bit of a differentiator in the local market than not just being the, the average broker? And like, hey, here's a house and I'm gonna get my commission and good luck. Yep, um, great question. So I'd say the biggest thing we've structured our brokerage is we are not the typical like real estate agent model where a lot are very impressive one person shows. He or she, right. they're doing everything from business development to Their showing name. properties, yeah. Yep. And they may have like an assistant or a part-time transaction coordinator, but they're doing everything. Mm-hmm. And it's number one, you can't scale that way. And number one, you can't be great at everything. And like I said, I started you know generating new clients when I was still living out of state in California, and Charles was actually working them with the idea when I came out here, I would become an agent and do it myself. Well, I started doing it and I realized, wow, number one, I don't really enjoy it, and number two, I'm not good at it, because all my focus has been on education and content and helping people do strategies, not the contracts negotiating. I can learn it, but I got people with five or 10 years where they can't biz dev. Right. I can. So from that way, we focus our, structure, our organizational structure on play to your superpower, play to your strength. Like mm-hmm. I'm great at educational content. I'm great at helping people create their strategies. I'm great at helping to people realize, yeah, you're not gonna get an amazing cash flow property like you would in the Midwest or another market, but if you're taken by a 
really good property in the current market conditions. And so getting people around there, and then the agent takes over and comes time to show properties and put in contracts, negotiate. So all my attention is on the client with their strategy. All their attention is on uh, helping the client find the property. They don't have to worry about business development. Yep. They don't have to worry about all this backend stuff. We've got a full backend like transaction coordinator team. And so everyone's an A plus player um, that just focuses on their role and it provides an amazing client experience, but they'll touch six people through the process. Um, of coming, joining us, you know, from, from me to talking to us, to working with us, to eventually closing on the property, and then working with like our back-end portfolio analysis team. Got it. And then talk to me about the success of your clients who come through being an investor. I'm an investor. Hey, Chris, yep. I want to come and buy some real estate here in Denver. What is sort of the out-of-state or the, the, the well, I don't say newbie, but the person who maybe not as, as experienced in the real estate investment game, What's been the track record like with your firm and, and the deals that you've been able to unearth for those investors who are very hungry to, to invest here in Denver? Well, I mean, it's, it's been very good. We can take some credit for it, but also, I mean, Denver, like last days, it's just, if you bought anything, you basically look like type, a pretty good investor. Right? Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> you know, and that's been a big part of things. Hey, don't get fixated that this is a 4.9 cap rate versus a five cap rate, like your metric is. Just Denver is growing, buy into it. Right. Um, no, people have had great success, and we always tailor it towards what the client wants. But our our main demographics are house hackers. That's like half our clientele, and they're usually you know young, you know twenties, uh, single guys or girls. Sometimes thirty, you know, thirty olds in a couple, and they're great clients because they go out there and buy an owner occupied property, and they just win on the financing. You're buying at five percent, at three percent interest rate. You kind of win no matter what, sure. as long as the market keeps you know oh, going up, yep. which we expect it to. So we do a lot of clients on there. Our other half of our clients, majority of our clients are people that are, they have careers, they max out their 401ks, they max out their brokerage accounts, but they wanna buy real estate. And so they are, they got a job or business, they got a family, and they just wanna go out there and find a good deal, but they're not looking to be like fully hands-on. They're not looking out for like the amazing deal of the year. Mm -hmm. So all those clients, we help them come up with their strategy, we help them figure out, hey, here's your budget, but also, hey, here's what you need in financial reserves. Mm. Buy a property, use leverage, but keep cash in the bank because it's a matter of when, not if, matter of when, SHIT hits the fan. It happens on every investor. You know, it eventually happens. Yep. Might be your first property. You can swear on the show, don't we? Go okay, nuts. I don't know, yeah, okay. Go nuts. <laughs> so, uh, might be your first property, might be your 10th property, but sometimes the brand new person, the first property, crap, the basement floods. Yep. You know, it, sorry, it just sucks, but so we prepare our clients like that, and they've had great success because we try to teach them going their eyes wide open, Yep. And of course, all the content we do on the podcast helps them be like mentally prepared for what to expect in the Denver market. And I just, I love how you come full circle with the education piece to then creating uh, streams of, of, of leads coming in to then helping them, teaching those leads how to invest wisely in a market that from an outsider seems really, really hot and you, you can't make money, but also then having a lead that is not expecting to go out and get 8% cash flow you won. They're looking for the long and steady game and they like their job or whatever it might be. They have a, four, a healthy 401k. So I, I like this sort of coming full circle of, of all that sort of stuff. So well, I guess what's what's in, what's the future hold right now? Like you, you've got all this stuff. We've, we've, we've walked through your story. We'll walk through how good you are at marketing and creating all these systems. But what does the future hold for, for you and your companies in the next couple of years? Uh, I, I, I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. Um, you know, it is when, when things happen, it all happens at once. So we've experienced the brokerage down Colorado Springs. And again, okay. we just started Colorado Springs podcast, user infrastructure. Sure. We're expanding to other Colorado sub markets because we got the infrastructure in place right now. 
And then the media itself has, like the, the studio and the media that we're in right now has, I've been able to leverage into bigger opportunities. Now we mentioned the Bigger Pockets Tribe of Multifamily Mentors podcast at the start of the show. Well, us being local, us actually doing some of the deals with guys with Bigger Pockets, having that relationship, has led to us having this amazing opportunity to help Bigger Pockets start doing more niche content mm. on different niches. And so we've been very fortunate to help them start putting out the multifamily niche, uh, me and Terrence Doyle. And that's an amazing opportunity because same thing that the Denver podcast did, I get to learn, I get to network, but the two cherries on top is it's with bigger pockets. Sure. And I get to have amazing people like you, Reed, <laughs> fly from LA into Denver to record with us in our Denver studio because we're all in person. I get to meet amazing people like you and other top producers around the multifamily industry. What does that play out to in five or 10 years? What does that bring into uh, people wanting to invest here in Denver? It's gonna be very big. So that and the last thing that I'm really passionate about is what we're calling our portfolio analysis. Okay. So when I was in college, I bounced around between my majors and I'm getting a financial advisory degree. I've actually, can, I can actually sit for the CFP license, the certified financial planner, because I always like, you know what, that's practical. I can learn taxes, insurance, money, all this stuff. And something I've noticed in real estate is very few people talk about how do you how do you manage your portfolio in the long run. There's a lot okay. of great content for how do you find a great deal, how do you go out there and write a deal, but how do you when is it time to re-leverage your property? Mm-hmm. Hey, should I actually sell this or should I ten or should I sell in ten thirty one or should I cash out refi or should I HELOC? And depending on what the market does, depends on your returns. Like I mentioned, my very first property I bought was in Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Two two condo I bought for sixty thousand dollars. Nothing nothing sexy. Rented for a thousand bucks when I bought it, or at the time moved out two years later. Rented for a thousand bucks, but eight years later it appreciated two hundred thirty thousand dollars. Nice. But rents were thirteen hundred dollars a month. So I was like, hey, I can do a cash out refi, but now it becomes a native cash flowing property. Right. It's, is it better to do that, or is it better to go out there and you know ten thirty one sell it? In that case, it was ten thirty one sell. So I've been able to blend in like financial advisory. Um, and I, get, I am not great at like short-term success. I mean, you said on some of your podcasts, you know, people who's overestimate can do in one year, but underestimate can do in 10 years. People in compounding of interest, whether it's stock market or real estate, they underestimate what 10, 20 years plays out to. 100%. So this is basically financial advisory for real estate investors. And you've got your CF. No. You haven't got it. You're studying for it, you said. No, I in college I have a degree. Got it. I can sit for it. And Are that's you? No. Good. And I'm not gonna get it. Good. Because number one, I don't like the business model. And number two is I've been I've talked to so many lawyers and it groups. Just adds another complexity to it. Because what it's come down to, if we only talk about really, you know, real estate, we're not talking stocks or life insurance, we don't need to be licensed. Mm. No one gives me a clear answer on here, but I'm like, hey, no one says we can't do it. Um, so we're just going to start doing real estate. And the one area that we have to be careful on, you know, if we do discuss, you know, like you know, certain syndications or you know, mm-hmm. offerings, yep. those are securitized assets. Yep. But since we're more talking to people, how, what, you know, here are options on your property. We're plugging the spreadsheet. Here's advice. It's pure consultancy. Yeah. So that's something I'm very excited to build out, and just blends into more client value add to our brokerage here, because our clients great. Come with us. 
Join us, help you do your strategy, and we got the ultimate client retention to help you optimize your portfolio. Right. I, I, again, I love that. And and seem like you're picking up the crumbs, right? You start with one thing. You start with a podcast. You start with niching. You start then with the leads coming through. Those leads turn into, well, hey, hang on, let's let's fill this gap of brokerage for investors. Oh, but but wait, hang on, they need to be maintaining this portfolio over a long period of time. I need to create this other stream of business, yep. and it just it all. That's the beauty to me of creating businesses. It's actually business ecosystems, and you've just laid it out for my listeners right now. That from step A to B to C, and maybe you've jumped to step F now, but it seems like it's so, uh, it's feeding off one another. And that's the power of what's going to create such an incredible future. And I also like the fact that you're very, it seems to me, you don't really care what's going to happen in 10 years time because you're just, you're, you're, you're happy with what you're doing now and just let it build out from there. Is that, is that a correct statement? Yeah, I mean, that that's correct. I mean, I just, you know, as I was starting, as I left my old business and new business, there were two things that kept in mind. I wanted to focus on what my strengths are and I wanted to be something that I was excited about when I woke up in the morning. Sure. I was like, you know what? If it's going to be, like, I will grind. I'll outgrind everyone, you know. Um, I'll be up there with the top grinders. But if it's something I can grind towards I love and there's a, a, a future to it, I will grind, grind, grind. But if it's just that I'm going to grind and I don't enjoy it, that's got a short shelf life. Mm-hmm. And that comes across in your work and your passion. So if I can do what I love and actually a lot of this feeds back into myself like, I am not the most successful investor in Denver or anywhere in the country, you know, but I'm learning a lot and all feeds of myself. And the portfolio analysis was, I was like, hey, I need to figure this out for myself. And I did a few podcasts, the reaction on there, everyone was like, can you help me off that? I was like, oh, I'm not the only dude with this type of question in the back of my mind. Sure. And I had tremendous feedback. I said, well, great. I want it for myself. Let's just build out, and that way it makes more sense. Yeah. No, I think you're definitely planting some incredible trees, and those oak trees are going to come to bloom here and blossom in the next five to 10 years. So awesome, mm-hmm. awesome stuff. At the end of every show, I like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? I'm ready. All right, mate. What's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I have two things. Uh, time blocking. Yep. Uh, I, I Every morning, almost every morning, I have a deep time block from 7 a.m. to about 10 or 11 a.m. And I do no emails, no phone calls. Um, so, and that's where I can focus on the strategic long-term stuff. Cause you know, once you open up email and phones, your day just goes out the window. Yep. The other thing, I'll share this uh, after we got the podcast read on this side of the studio, I've got a 10 foot whiteboard and I have fallen in love with these 18 inch by 24 inch giant post-it notes. Okay. And I write all my goals on there. Every day? Uh, I write like my big goals. Sure. But Pretty much every day, I, don't, I wish I'd say it, but pretty much every day I go in there and I just look at them for a couple minutes. And it makes me stay focused on my big goals and what I'm working on now. It's all like yearly and quarterly. I don't do like day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. But hey, what are the big things to focus on? I focus on that and I sit down and work on projects. Love it, love yeah. it, love it. Question number two is, who's the most influential person in your career to date? Uh, I'd actually say Charles Roberts. Yep. And this is gonna, it's a very, it's a weird and sad tris- twist because like I said, he, he was a phenomenal mentor to me. Um, and just an amazing friend. And we had been working together for about two years. Like I said, I worked together with him long distance for a year. I moved out here in April. And then that October, he was on a vacation, had a brain aneurysm. Mm-hmm. And we were partners. And just, I mean, just like, you know, he did his stuff, I did my stuff. And we were just, we were starting to get momentum. And then that, that rocked my business world. But I mean, he gave me so much help for just Denver market knowledge network and just an amazing guy. But on the flip side, you know, overall healthy guy, very successful. You know, he could have retired a decade before, but he was 51, 52 with a brain aneurysm. And that taught me, damn, 
Mm-hmm. I need to make sure I slow down and enjoy because like I know it, but seeing him go through and his family, his wife. So part of that mentorship is also amazing business mentorship, but also that life mentorship of like, you know what? That bus lets you when you never expect it, when you never know it. Yep. And number one, you gotta be financially ready for it. Yep. Number two, his life will never be the same again. Mm-hmm. He's alive, he does well, but it's not his old self. Yep. I'm like, well shit, that could that could yeah. be me tomorrow, could be me in 10 years. I need to make sure I enjoy what I do now yep. in business and also with my family. 100%, now, enjoying the journey is so, so important because yeah. can, life can smack you in the face real quick. Yeah. <laughs> real quick. Uh, question number three, what is the most influential tool in your business uh, today? When I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a notebook or your phone, but or it could be a piece of software. What, what do you use to keep the business Functioning day in day out. Active campaign. Active campaign. Okay. You, are you familiar with that? No, not as much as I should be. So, have you heard of Infusionsoft? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Active Campaign is very similar to like Infusionsoft. It's a very. It's not. It's not a Mailchimp. It's not just an email marketing, but it does email contact management system, but also does full blown marketing automations. Mm-hmm. So you can do like visual programming. Hey, if this person comes in, do this, do this, do this. And I will give a plug for Active Campaign because I love them and I have no affiliate links or, or whatever with them, but. Infusionsoft is nicknamed Confusionsoft. <laughs> Active Campaign is an amazing platform. They're like a newer kid on the block. Mm-hmm. Great platform, easy to use, and they it runs everything we talked about. Runs everything behind the scenes. Go when on. I started this years ago, I spent six weeks of fourteen day trials on every platform I could find, building on stuff in Active Campaign. Because you know, once you're in a CRM and marketing system, you you're married. Yep. And if you move, it's literally a divorce between that system and the new system. Yep. I love it. They run everything. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. Active campaign. I've not heard of it. Again, I'm not as savvy on that side of the business, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, question number four. What is the being the biggest failure or lesson in your career? And what did you learn from that failure? Do you have like two hours? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't because <laughs> we're going to get to other podcasts, but yeah, what, what, what is it? Um, it kind of goes back to that first business I built. And it's a combination of things. Like I said, I, I didn't scale properly. I didn't separate my brand from the business. But the biggest thing there I'd say that I, I regret the most and I learned the most is I let lifestyle inflation happen and I took my foot off the gas momentum. I mean, I was I graduated Virginia Tech making like $35,000 a year from my business, which is great. Bowling. Didn't need a job. Within two years, that was a six-figure income. And it got into like, you know, $200,000 for a couple of years. I made amazing money with no debt, but my lifestyle crept up. I went out to a lot of dinners, travel, I had a great time but I didn't take enough money off the table to do pure investing. Mm. And that's my biggest regret. With all the success I've had, I should be able to parlay that into a lot more investment opportunity and capital. And I let lifestyle creep up on me, mm. which I regret tremendously. Yeah, right. But it would. But regret is a strong word because it would. it's put you in a position today where you've realized that. And you're yeah. self-aware enough to say, look back and think, I could have done more with what I had at the time. So yeah, regret's probably not the right word. It, it's a, it's a great lesson. I'm always you know failures are the best teachers in the world, mm-hmm. but it's not going to happen again. Sure, because I, I I was like yeah, I knew it, yep. but I still did it at the time. I was like oh okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to make sure I do a good job of taking money off the table for just pure non-business stuff for pure investing. Acorns, mate, packing them away for for the, for the next rainy day. Love it, love it. Last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? Um, I'd actually say the best thing to go to right now is actually go to Bigger Pockets YouTube channel and type in the tribe of multifamily mentors okay. because you're going to be on that show. You're going to be with our first dozen guests on there that we're launching with. So excited about it on there. So tribe of multifamily mentors is going to be a great way to learn about us and learn about the multifamily industry as well. Love it. Love it, mate. Well, look, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think 
your ability to quickly realize how your strengths and weaknesses in the business and be able to adapt to those strengths and weaknesses and outsource quickly everything from early days in your marketing campaigns all the way through to what you built today. I do love your stories of picking up the, the crumbs I said earlier about yep. picking up the pieces, figuring, starting something and figuring there's a need in the market for what you're providing and then going out and creating that 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 that, that want or sorry that the sort of that, that product uh, and then bringing it all back around so it is feeding from one to another and and becoming full circle. So I think there being the biggest lesson I took away today, and I did love what you said earlier about separating the brand from the uh, corporation and that being such a, um, a major lesson in your growth because so many people want to have a personal brand, but they don't really think about the exit options in the future. And being the bottleneck in your business can sometimes, it feels great when you're doing it, when you've got all the energy, but after a period of time, you still get burnout. And you know, we, all, we all suffer burnout after, we're, we're humans, we're not robots. So um, did I leave anything out? Um, no, actually, one, I'm going to give you a compliment, Reed, because one of the things that, that sparked my, oh, I got to get this going again as I was getting prepared for this podcast and our tribe podcast was I've liked how you separate out, you know, got ReedGoosens.com. I was like, damn it, I need to get that old domain going in for my name. I was like, I got to I gotta make sure that's going on. So sure. that was a great reminder of just seeing that you're doing. I was like, damn it, I need to up my game on there. Well, it, it, it's a, it goes back to the personal branding, right? Like people invest in me first and foremost and the deals are sort of kind of second. Yep. They'll come to your business because they like the, 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 the platform you've created. They, hey, I like what Chris is doing. And you mentioned earlier, People who don't like it aren't, aren't going to reach out. That's fine. You don't. You're never going to talk to those people, right? You you only talk to the people who resonate with you, and I think that's so so popular, uh, so so important in creating a personal brand. So, awesome, mate. Look, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up very very soon. Thanks, Reed. Well, there have another cracking episode, Jam Pack. Some incredible advice from Chris. Remember to go over to the YouTube channel and check out the Tribe of Multifamily Investors on there because it's going to be a cracking your podcast that's launching here with Bigger Pockets. We're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.